The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. What's up, everyone? Welcome back into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my awesome co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, this is a new edition of Punt and Pass. We're going to try something new. You did an experiment this past weekend over your Twitter account. That's at Aaron Murray 11. And it was regarding this podcast, the Punt and Pass podcast, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. And we're trying something new. And this weekend happened to be a fantastic weekend to do it. We are thinking about potentially switching it up and doing two shows a week. That's right. The podcast is continuing to evolve. We're thinking about doing two shorter shows a week. We're not going to cut any content out, but what we want to do is bring you a little bit quicker of a roundup of the weekend's action, and then later on this week, we will dish out a sweet preview for week eight, bring on a guest who I believe we will be announcing towards the end of this show. And we'll keep things a bit more fluid right here. You put out that poll, I think, Aaron, and uh, you got a lot of votes. And, boy, it was split pretty 50-50, but it leaned towards two shows a week. How are you feeling? It's Sunday night. This past weekend was crazy in college football. Where'd you go? What's been going on? Talk to me. Yeah, it was a crazy weekend of college football, and it started with with Friday night. We'll get a little – we'll dive – into all these games, not just SEC, but a couple of these big time top 25 teams that had a little bit of a stumble this past weekend. But I was down in in Orlando, got to cover UCF. ECU was down to play the Knights, and and this is my second time covering UCF. And those guys are, I think, talent wise, if you want to look at the skill position, the receivers, the quarterback, the running backs, I think they're DBs, all those skill guys. I think they can compete with anyone in the ACC, SEC talent wise obviously when you talk about sec football now the acc a little bit the biggest thing is the defensive line the offensive line what happens up front i don't know if they're quite there yet with the big guys up front to kind of handle it but skill wise it's unbelievable though they were up and down the field all night long uh 35 42 i think 42 points offensively they had a pick six they had a punt return touchdown they actually had a punt return touchdown also called back they almost had two uh, just put a whooping on ECU, a team that's struggling right now. They're one in six, but UCF down in Orlando, the top 22, they should be jumping to the top 20 this week. And, and with San Diego state losing, they're really the group of five team that has a chance to play in a new year's bowl. So that's pretty big for them this weekend. Yeah, certainly Scott Frost is the head coach down there. He's got those guys certainly playing at a high level. I would expect his name to be on that kind of hottest coaching name list towards the end of the season, but you just alluded to it, Aaron, a wild weekend. Four teams in the top 10 lose. It all started on Friday night when Clemson traveled up to Syracuse. They lost inside the Cario Dome, which was a huge surprise. I would believe they I believe they were a 28 and a half point favorite. That's crazy. It continued Friday night with Washington State going down, really just getting crushed by Cal. 
And then Saturday, Arizona State, which I think was probably the biggest upset in terms of matchup of the weekend. They beat Washington, who was ranked number five. And then as all SEC fans clearly saw in that 330 game on CBS, LSU comes back from the dead and beats Auburn. So officially, the college football playoff picture has been turned upside down. And if I'm correct, I think the first official standings come out after this weekend. Is that right, Aaron? Yeah, I believe so. And it's going to be crazy. But you look at last year, Clemson lost uh, a game last year during the regular season, still was able to kind of jump in there and then play, be in the playoffs and obviously go on to win the national championship. So it doesn't hurt you losing right now this instance. Obviously, you got to regain the momentum, get going. But it, it sure made for a fun, fun weekend. I didn't even realize Friday night I was kind of at dinner with the uh, the producers, my cast, and we were just sitting around and we're like, man, I wonder what games are on tonight pull up the ESPN app. And, and, and like you said, the, the Washington state game was on the Clemson games on, and it's tough playing Friday night football. It's a little bit different for those guys. Very and, true. and they just, Very didn't, true. they didn't come up to play at the end of the day. You look at Clemson, obviously Kelly Bryant, their quarterback went down with a concussion uh, and they looked a little vulnerable on defense. Wow. Eric Dungy, the quarterback for Syracuse had a heck of a day, looked awesome throwing the ball all over the place. And, and that defensive line did not look as dangerous as they have this entire season. No, they weren't ready to rock and roll. And you just said, you know, Kelly Bryant gets body slammed, suplexed down onto that hard AstroTurf, and he gets knocked out of the game. But I, I don't know why he was even playing to begin with. I don't know if you saw much of the game, but he could not move in the pocket. He could not extend the play. He did not look comfortable. He didn't look healthy. So I would question Dabo Swinney and ask why he put Kelly Bryant in that situation on a short week after they traveled all the way up to upstate New York. And then my second question, they ran a fake punt around midfield. I believe it was fourth and six with about seven minutes to go. And it was the worst fake punt call I've ever seen. I have no idea why with their defense, they wouldn't trust the punter just to put it inside the 20, play defense, get the ball back with decent field position and make a play to win the game. It was, I think looking at, yeah, I think, I think looking at it, you saw Dabo was a little upset after the call. I think it, I think it was something that I don't know if you punters have a trick play. If, if it's a perfect formation defensively, it looks good. Then let's run it. If not, you're just going to punt the ball. Yeah, I mean, the I don't call know if it was on, one of those right? situations. So yeah, the, the, the call is on. on when you run on the field. Uh, the up back or the pump protector is going to say it's on or off. So obviously it was on. But the punter had to read the return man who was freaking 55 yards downfield. I don't know what quarterback can read a safety who's 55 yards downfield. He didn't even see the guy. He chucks up a prayer. It was just awful. And then, of course, Dabo yells at the punter, taking the blame off of himself. It was mind-blowing. I think that's what cost them the game. They go down. And they should have because it was – they weren't ready to play. You just said it on a short week while traveling. They were not ready to go, and it showed. Yeah, I think it's leadership, and you've seen them this year – they kind of play down to their competition. They're a little bit known for that. And it's hard with these top teams Clemson. to kind of get up every week because no matter who you're going to play, Syracuse is the game of the year for them. They've been circling us on their calendar. They're going to be bringing the juice, bringing the fire and they brought it And Clemson obviously did not bring it. They thought they were going to roll up there to Syracuse kind of roll right over them. Uh, and I know I'm I'm pretty happy about the win. My family's happy. My saw, okay, entire, wait, 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 wait. My entire family's from Syracuse, New okay, York. My I dad's from Syracuse. That. I see Josh, yep. your your older brother. I see him tweet out something like "Go Syracuse" hashtag birthplace, and I was like, "What is that true?" He was <laughs> yeah, born jo- in Syracuse. Jo- okay, jo- no Josh idea. was born in Syracuse. 
I was born, my sister and I were born in Tampa, but he's from Syracuse. Oh, okay. I have a lot of family stuff there. So they're all, go I mean, they were heavy, heavy drinking before, during, and after that in celebration <laughs> for the, awesome. uh, the big victory up there. That's awesome. All right, so Clemson goes down, and everybody knows if they continue to take care of business and win the ACC, they'll probably be back in the playoff, much like what they did a year ago. The two teams in the Pac-12 go down. Washington State gets absolutely crushed by Cal on Friday night, and then Washington travels to Tempe, Arizona, to take on Arizona State. Not a very good football team, and they laid an absolute egg offensively. Arizona State gets up to a quick 13 to nothing lead closes out the game with a 13 to 7 victory and then I guess Aaron we can dive into this SEC talk because I don't think anybody saw LSU coming back after that huge lead that Auburn had on them in the first half yeah going back to Washington State you look at Luke Falk their starting quarterback guy was at that point in the season they had a huge victory a couple weeks ago versus USC Uh, Luke Falk was in the Heisman contention probably top three top four guy at uh, this point of the season uh, to win the Heisman. He goes out there and throws five interceptions, no touchdowns, five interceptions. Oh my goodness. They lose 37 to three. And, and for a guy that's supposed to be in a chance to win the Heisman, that type of offense, he's played well the past couple of years. So I have that as my biggest upset of the, of the weekend. Just the fact that Cal was able to do that defensively because Cal is not known for a great defense. No. Yes, it was a home game, but still to kind of, shut down one of the best offenses in the in college football and one of the best quarterbacks was pretty impressive and uh it just goes to show you no one's alive washington another great offense number five in the country they're known for throwing the ball over the place only scoring seven points on the road but it does show you that home field advantage does play a big part when you're going to a hostile environment you got the bullseye on your back Let's because you're a one top thing 10 straight, team. Though. ASU, not a hostile environment. I live right down the road <laughs> from Tempe, and I've been to a game there, and I almost Well, the girls are a little distraction. They, is, okay, they no, sent a couple girls true. over. Yes. I'm sure the Washington guys were like, man, there's some good-looking girls here. Got a little... <laughs> little distracted during the game and and all of a sudden they're they're losing it 13 to 7 yeah i mean uh that that was certainly stunner for me i mean i don't think arizona state's much of a team a, a good team at all and for them to beat washington at home like you said with a a very efficient offense with jake browning at the helm that was certainly interesting and then we go back to that game in baton rouge auburn losing to LSU by a score of 27 to 23. And just to keep all of our listeners up to speed against the spread this past weekend, not a very good one, but overall, Murray, you're 15 and 11 on the season. I'm down to 13 and 13. So I'm right at 500, which is okay, halfway through the season. Auburn was given six and a half points this game. You and I both took the Tigers, Auburn Tigers, that is. And wow, LSU, Coach O, uh, I, don't think, I don't think they have something special going down in Baton Rouge, but they certainly made... Uh, quite a statement by beating Auburn, who was certainly one of the hotter teams in the country. Yeah, they made a huge statement. That's back-to-back weeks for this LSU team, kind of pulling it out of the hat. Uh, obviously, the Florida game last week with the the botch extra point. I'm watching the game, and it's 17 nothing. Auburn's up. They could have easily been up 21 nothing. First drive of the game, Jared Sidham throws a dime in the back of the end zone. Receiver drops it. And I'm I'm watching the game like, man, this team looks great. They're running the ball. Carry on Johnson uh, can't be stopped in the Wildcat under center, whatever it is, uh, pretty unstoppable at the running back position. And then Jared was thrown all over the place and a little bit too much run. And then all of a sudden the punt return, LSU starts creeping its way back, gaining some life. And then when you get 
a good football team rolling, when you get that stadium rolling, uh, they just buy into the energy. I mean, those fans were bringing it the entire game and, and it's a huge loss for Auburn, but at the end of the day, it's still their first loss in the sec. Uh, they still have an opportunity to play Georgia, an opportunity to play Alabama to kind of still have that opportunity to get to Atlanta. But LSU right now, that's two big wins for those guys. You want to talk about coach O guy, just like a lot of coaches on the hot seat this year, uh, came in and really willed his team to win. And they're playing two freshmen, I believe, at tackle. So they're playing a young offensive line against a very good Auburn defense, a very good, very good front seven. And they they looked impressive. And, and who really surprised me also was their quarterback, Danny Etling, a guy who I've been saying all year, I don't think he can win the big game. I don't think he can do it. And they really let him open it up a little bit. I saw the by far the most downfield throws I've seen all season with him. He looked good. He looked accurate for the majority of the day. And if they're going to want to continue winning those big games, he needs to play like he did this past weekend versus Auburn. Yeah, we said it last week. The one way LSU was going to have a chance to be successful on the offensive side of the ball was to open it up for Danny Etling. Obviously, Matt Canada had been having a bit of a struggle getting that offense into some sort of consistent flow and it did not happen in the first half but it seems like they made the necessary adjustments at halftime uh, and they did not turn the ball over in the second half put it into the end zone and ended up making huge plays down the stretch to get them a gigantic home victory uh, you know after beating Florida a week ago and that was of course after losing to Troy at home during homecoming so coach o got a little bit of momentum going his way it was good to see lsu get that big victory because now it just sets up another big time game which they'll have a couple weeks from now against alabama now am i saying they're going to beat alabama no but no it's chance. good to see this team not packing in after what was a devastating loss at home just two weeks prior so huge win for lsu auburn goes down and again you just said it it's only their first loss in the conference they've got two huge more games down the stretch of course being Georgia and Alabama back to back the next game that we talked about late last week was what I consider to be maybe the best game of the weekend it was close it had the dramatics it certainly was not the most fun game to watch and that was South Carolina at Tennessee Butch Jones on the hottest seat maybe in the nation they go into this game inside Neyland Stadium as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and it seemed like they were going to get out with a victory, but they could not put the ball in the end zone, in the red zone. South Carolina scores late. They win 15-9, to and I think it's just a matter of time. I'm surprised. Well, I guess I'm really not surprised that they're going to let Butch coach against Alabama because it could get super ugly. I think Alabama is a 37-point favorite against Tennessee. <laughs> that is truly unbelievable in what is historically one of the better rivalries in the SEC. Yeah, look at Butch right now. I mean, he's not going to have a seat that's going to be too hot for much longer the way they keep playing. And it's just bad, bad, bad play calling in the red zone. When I'm watching them. Uh, I remember they're on the right hash, and all of a sudden they're about the five, seven-yard line, somewhere around there. And they roll the quarterback out into the boundary. You know, usually as a quarterback, you want the field, be able to extend the plays a little bit more with your legs, allow your receivers to work. Instead, when you're rolling out into the boundary, especially with how wide the the hashes are in college football, the play happens so fast. It's a bang-bang play, and if no one's open, uh, there's nothing you can do as a quarterback. And, And for him, he ends up running out of bounds. They lose five, six yards. Then all of a sudden, now it's second and 12. Instead of being, you throw it out of bounds, second and six, second and seven at the goal line. So... 
bad decision-making in the quarterback spot, bad coaching, putting him in that position, rolling him out into the boundary. And it was just bad play calling all day long in the red zone. And that's something they've been bad at the entire season and, and watching it again this week. We go back to the Florida game when they're inside, they're at the one yard line. They get back into, uh, into the gun instead of getting under center, get in all sides, eventually throw a pick in the red zone. It's these type of calls, these type of coaching calls that get you fired in the day and don't put your players in the best position to succeed. And I think that's Bush's biggest problem right now. He's not putting his guys in a position to go out there and put points on the board offensively. Defensively, they looked great this this game. Uh, South Carolina started off slow. Second half kind of turned it on a little bit on both sides of the football. Jake Bentley, once again, I just love watching this kid play. Not the biggest stats in the world this past game, but uh, put his team in the position at the end of the game, making some big throws. They're able to run the ball late uh, and pull out a pretty exciting game. Uh, Tennessee almost made it back in the end. Yeah, so so what do you do if you're Tennessee at this point, Aaron? You have Alabama. I think they're going to Tuscaloosa, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't have that right in front of me right now. Um, but, but what do you do from a coaching standpoint? Because it seems like it's just getting toxic at this point. It seems like Butch Jones doesn't want to be there. You can see it in his interviews and his post-game press conferences now. I I feel like they're holding on to him just to keep some sort of semblance of sanity within the program because they have a pretty decent recruiting class as of now. That's all going to get blown up so soon, but why do you keep dragging him and the program through the mud with, with, with what seems like your biggest test of the season just six days away? Yeah, and I think as players, too, you want to look at this. And, and who are these players playing for? They're obviously not playing for him. They know he's gone. So you, you've lost the confidence of your players at this point of the season. Uh, and to get those guys excited, I don't know how you can do that as a coach. I don't know how you can stand up in front of your team in a team meeting before a game to kind of get those those guys riled up. And, and I just don't think he's earned those guys' respect right now. I think that with the bad play calling, I think with the noise coming from the media – uh, the national attention right now, the, the everyone knows he's going to be going at the end of the season. So this could get pretty ugly for this this program. And like you alluded to, now you have to start worrying about the future. And right now, this recruiting class is going to get blown out of the water. Every top SEC school is coming in to hunt these guys down, and they're going to be in, in big trouble. And then now you lose a good recruiting class and then you're going to have to be a year or two years behind. So, so it's going to be a while. So it's going to be a while. Yeah, I don't, unless you have, unless you have a better option as an assistant coach yeah. that you think a guy can come in there like Coach O last year at LSU, guy that can kind of get those guys revved up a little bit. But even that guy is a tough task because you're playing the SEC. You got a lot of tough games still to go. You're not going to have much success. So anyone you put in that position is kind of set up for failure. Uh, and it comes down to the quarterback position. Once again, you're kind of juggling two quarterbacks, Jared Garitano, um, it was just a simple game plan. I, the majority of the time it was screens. It was a zone read. There was no downfield throws. They really were just trying not to lose the game offensively the entire time. And, and it, it showed out there. And that's why uh, they did not have much success in the offensive side of the football. So you don't have a quarterback. You don't have a coach. That's just a recipe for a disaster in the SEC. And, and it's nothing short of a disaster right now. And the only way it could get worse is if they continue to – um, not make a decision. And if they miss out on a coach, like say, you know, a big fish in the pond would certainly be a Chip Kelly type. 
Um, I don't know many other out there who are on the streets. Like Bob Stoops is not going to come back. He's made that clear. John Gruden, man. John, John Gruden might be coming back. There ain't no chance in <laughs> hell that John Gruden he's making, coaches He's making Tennessee. $6 million at just ESPN. Like you know, I ain't leaving that. Just like you know, up there in the booth, it's comfy, okay? You don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. every single day and grind until 10 p.m. You can be in the confines of your home. You can have a nice little family dinner on a Sunday night. And then you get to travel on Friday, call the game on Saturday, and you're done. Far less criticism for Coach Gruden if he stays in that cozy booth on Monday Night Football than if he were to dip his toes into Tennessee. No chance that he's doing that. No chance. But I do know one name that could do that. I do know one name, and I was probably listening. I bet you Mike Bobo's hat gets thrown into the ring. There's no No, question. No, 100%. He's going to be back in the SEC, whether it's this year. Uh, The thing with him, he needs a big year. Coach Bobo needs a 10-win, 11-win season, something like McIlwain did when he was at Colorado State, that signature season to say, hey, I'm here. But I think the one thing Bobo does have is that he's been in the SEC. He's had success as an offensive coordinator for a long period of time. He knows the way to recruit throughout the South. So that's a huge plus for him. And right now he has a Colorado State team that's playing extremely well this entire season. So his name's definitely going to be thrown around. Who knows if he's going to get it. Uh, But I got a question for you. There's definitely a name that's going to be thrown around a lot this week. I don't know if you saw it or not, but Aaron Rodgers, we're jumping into the NFL real quick. Yeah, please. Broke his collarbone. Tony Romo from, I think he's from Wisconsin. He He certainly is. Is he going to begin a call to kind of, you know, am I going to have to make my jump now from college football to NFL? (laughs) You know what? That's great. Let's break the news right here. Tony Romo's going to sign with the Green Bay Packers. CBS Sports and specifically NFL on CBS is going to be scrambling for a handsome quarterback who knows the game of football. Aaron, we're going to put your name in the ring. You know what? I will take... 10% 10% of your first paycheck that you get. From I appreciate it. You know, you're doing a great job as you know, our, our agent does a great job for us, but right now you're, you're really putting yourself out there. So I appreciate that. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here It'll for. be fun to see what happens. Good old Romo. See if he's got the arm and, and, or if he does like being up in the booth, like you said, comfy, enjoying it, not There's getting no knocked doubt. around by those 320 pound dudes every weekend. But his paycheck could be a little bit different. He may be able to, I know whose name won't get called, but that's for another discussion. Okay, on the, South Carolina, <laughs> on, the, on the South Carolina game, you picked South Carolina. I thought Tennessee would play for Coach Jones. I lost. You got that one correct. Let's touch on this next game really quick, a team that did cover, and we both picked it. Alabama stomps Arkansas 41-9 to during homecoming inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. This team just continues to roll. Uh, we made light of the situation last week when they beat Texas A&M, but they felt like, it, it felt like they lost. Um, they took care of business this past weekend. It just seems like there is a collision course headed for Mercedes-Benz Stadium on that first weekend of December, and that would be between Georgia and Alabama. But Alabama, man, they just – the train's on the tracks, and it ain't getting off anytime soon. No, it's not getting off anytime soon. And for Arkansas, they are playing a freshman quarterback, Cole Kelly, and that's a tough task to go into Alabama, start as a freshman uh, – Arkansas starting quarterback was out with an injury. So you call on a freshman and I know he was kind of uh face buried in the toilet, puking a little bit before that game, because that is a tough task against this team. That is like you said, they've been rolling all season. They got a huge chip on their shoulder after losing last year in the national championship. And it's, it really is, it's looking like it's going to be a Georgia 
versus Alabama. So if anyone has some SEC tickets or looking to sell or know someone, oh, come on, you don't I'm currently looking. I'm, curr- I'm currently looking. That. Hey, listen, you never know. Murray. I got. Man, I got like ten tickets. I gotta Are find. I got everyone and their mother. SEC championship. Damn right I am, man. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a. Oh my. A hefty goodness. ticket. Well, if you find hefty some, ticket, I guess yeah, I'll shoot you as well. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, if if Georgia continues to take care of business like they are, it certainly seems like everybody in the Atlanta area will be busy that first weekend of December. So we're gonna jump to the next game. Um, a lot of brouhaha on social media. I was actually landing. As the second quarter was starting, and I turned my phone on, and it was 21-21 or 14-14 Missouri and Georgia. Pull up Twitter. People are going nuts, right? Like, it's the apocalypse in Athens. We suck. Georgia's terrible. We're going to lose the game. And I'm going, what? I, I, I just... I don't believe it. I, I can't believe the fan base. They're so pessimistic. And, yes, I'm calling every single one of them out. Take a chill pill. Football is a 60-minute game. It is four quarters long and a good buddy of mine brian hoyt who's the producer for chuck and Chernoff on 680 the fan he sent me a message he said drew butler's awfully quiet tonight and i replied back to him i said i just landed i'll be with you in the second half my guess is is that georgia adjusts and flirts with a cover okay and that's exactly what happened they adjusted the defense brought pressure. I believe they pretty much just went to two-man, Aaron, and they just brought pressure on Drew Locke, made him make quick decisions, forced some turnovers. Offense could not be stopped. They they ran. I think the total yards was 696 total yards, and they scored 53 points. Missouri only scored 28. Georgia rolls to another victory during homecoming weekend. 7-0, now number three in the nation with a bye week coming up. Aaron, this is this is fun. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a fun team to watch, and, and it was a good matchup. I don't think Missouri, obviously, a great football team, but they're unique, different. They're a unique offense where they're the spread offense. They're going to throw the ball a bunch, uh, and they definitely had success earlier. But I love that. I love a team that is mature at the coaching position, that's mature when it comes to seniors that can go in the halftime and not be, oh no, we're in this situation. The game's close. They're throwing it well. They regrouped, they regathered, they got a new game plan, and they went out there and crushed it the second half. And that just shows me, I think it shows the fans, what kind of, like I said, a mature football team, a team that understands that it is a long football game. It's a long season. You're going to have your ups, you're going to have the downs. But if they're able to continue to evolve within games and within the season, that's a huge plus. And and we knew the offense was going to roll. I mean, this Missouri team, they're not known for defense. I don't think they've ever been known for defense. They're giving up. 40 plus points a game this entire season. So we knew uh, our offense would get rolling. And, and once again, it's over 600 yards. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I don't care who you're playing. It's tough to get 600 plus yards if you're going against your scout team defense. So um, it's just a lot of talent, man. A lot of talent, at the running back position, a lot of talent at the quarterback position. Jake Fromm's throwing the ball really well. Um, he finally got in the twenties, man. I'm pumped to see that he threw the yeah. ball 26 times. He needs this. He needs that opportunity to, continue throwing the ball uh, and then flipping over to the other side, the Missouri Tigers, man, it's just, it's another rough territory for them. They're one in five, they're own four in conference play and they just can't recruit defensive guys. They, they don't understand. They come into the sec. They're known for coming over here as a high powered offense. The league that they come from is all about offense, offense, offense. And now uh, they don't recruit defensive guys. It's a, this is a defensive league at the end of the day. You know, we do have some good offenses, but then they defense wins football games 
in the SEC defenses that play well will win you a football game. And and these guys need to really change their mindset and start recruiting better on the defensive side of the football if they want to be able to play with the big boys in the SEC. Yeah, there's no question. And Barry Odom, their head coach, in a tough situation, he had some um, very, very high remarks for Georgia post game. I believe he said, this is what I want Missouri to be from the game day atmosphere to the roster. So glowing remarks, not only for Georgia, but for Coach Kirby Smart. And um, yeah, it was a huge win for Georgia. And I like to see him sweat a little bit, okay? It's it's okay to get a little humble at some point. If you're, if you're tied with Missouri at 21 to 21, and then you're able to make the correction before halftime, get up to a 13-point lead, then just compound on that in the second half, that's huge. When I saw what was going on in the first half, Aaron, I thought one thing. Georgia's been in this position before. That game against Notre Dame that they won in South Bend is proving to be huge. It taught this team that they can withstand the heat. They can take a game into the fourth quarter, and they can take advantage of the team's misfortune and uh, exploit opportunities and get out with a victory. So Georgia did that. Again, they're 7-0, a bye week coming up, and that game in Jacksonville looming on Halloween weekend. And, Aaron, I cannot remember a matchup like this so heavily in Georgia's favor during the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It is going to be so much fun because I said it on Twitter last night, how everybody's getting oh so nervous about Jacksonville. And I said this, the two most demoralizing losses that I had in college were in 2008 and in 2009 when Florida beat our ass in Jacksonville. Okay, And what's so demoralizing about that? Sure, you lose a rivalry game. Sure, it's against Florida. It's tough. This is what's so demoralizing, okay? Georgia fans left the entire stadium, but Florida fans stayed. So it's half full, it's all blue and orange, and it's still loud as hell. That is the worst feeling. It's absolutely zero fun, and I think the tide could turn in a couple weeks. I think Georgia can make them quit and get those fans out of the stadium and throw one hell of a party during the second half. So I will be waiting to see what happens, and that takes us right into our next game, our last game that we covered during our Week 7 pod, A&M and Florida. Florida's not a good football team. Their offense struggling mightily. Their defense is pretty decent. They held Texas A&M to only 19 points, but guess what? Florida only scored 17, so A&M gets out with a victory. I picked A&M. You picked Florida. Wow, I'm so glad to see Florida lose because I don't care. I think Florida's no good, and I think Georgia's going to stomp them in two weeks. Am I wrong? Am I right? Tell me what you see with the Gators. I don't think you're wrong at all. We knew that the, the offense would struggle. Felipe Franks, a little bit more accurate, but two big interceptions, which cost them. The running game is getting rolling for those guys. Defensively, they look good, though. They they stopped Mond, uh, Kellen Mond, the quarterback for an A&M, only 8 of 24 passing. So we knew it was going to be a hostile environment, and they had the lead till late. You know, A&M goes down there and kicks a kicks it to win the game, and, and Florida did have an opportunity to win this thing. Um but I just don't think they have that killer instinct yet on the offensive side of the football. I think they're a young quarterback who is still making bad decisions, uh, trusting his arm a little bit too much, still very green in his decision-making. So at the end of the day, it's going to be a tough task. You know how we play when it comes to Jacksonville. It's going to be a live environment. You never know what's going to happen in these big, big rivalry games. I mean, look at the, the game this past weekend, Oklahoma, Texas, yeah. an Oklahoma team that is definitely better Texas came back, had the lead, had opportunity to win. Oklahoma ends up winning it, but you just never know what could happen in these big time rivalry games. But I, you know, I, I just, it's, I don't it's, see. But how- I, I mean, obviously, I think if you look at paper, Georgia should dominate. They should win. 
I think they have the mentality now where they're thinking, hey, screw it. We don't care that we've lost, what is it, the past three games. Yeah. We're going to come in here and we're going to dominate. We're going to dominate the, the on the defensive side of the football. We're going to do enough on the offensive side of the football that we're just going to continue pounding and pounding it. And they're going to get so frustrated defensively because their offense is playing so bad that we're going to be in the third and fourth quarter putting a lot of points on the board. Yeah, I mean, I, I you just said it. I, I don't see how Georgia can get exposed in this matchup in two weeks with the defense that they have and the run game that they have. I mean, the only way that they could get in a hole quick is if Michelle and Chubb put the ball on the ground because you know exactly what they're going to do, and so does Florida when Georgia gets the ball for the first time. Line up, see who wins, and, and it should be a lot of fun because even if we have to punt for the first couple times, Florida ain't moving the ball on our defense. So that will be a pretty fantastic matchup to certainly preview down the road. But we're going to have another podcast coming out later this week. We are going to preview week eight, a decent slate of games. I mean, nothing too special. A lot of teams are on a bye this week gearing up for the second half of the season but I know Alabama is at home against Tennessee there's a few other games we'll touch on and we're bringing in a heavy hitter for our guest this week I believe a certain Josh Allen Murray will be joining the podcast and he'll bring all of his bachelorette nation on board with us is that true did he confirm with you because I think he was okay sweet yeah and, and listen for the ladies and gentlemen out there mostly ladies that listen to the podcast Yes, we will be talking a little bachelor action, but the guy, the guy <laughs> he does, knows he's yes, sports. He does. Yeah, I mean, he he's a second round draft pick right out of high school for baseball. We'll he was baseball a walk on safety. Yeah, walk on safety at Georgia. So he knows his football. He knows his gambling. So he has some good insight for the Sweet. bets for the week. I need so, that. I need oh, yeah. help. He knows his stuff. Yeah, you need some more help. And uh, it should be entertaining. You'll get a little uh, a little Murray sandwich, right? You know, heading up at the end of the week. So it should be fun for you over there, Drew. That's okay. I'm looking at myself on the Skype call right now, and I look just about as pale as the cream inside of an Oreo right now. So <laughs> I need to go get some sun. Man, you're in Arizona right now. It's about probably 95 degrees still. It is. I think the high today was 97, and uh, I might just go outside and see if I can catch some rays. It's 5.35 p.m. right now on a Sunday night. So sun's probably still out, but... It's been fun hanging everyone, uh, hanging with everyone on this Sunday night. What do you think, Murray? Do you think we'll keep doing this uh, two pods a week? We'll see what the people like. We we love the feedback that we got on social media this week too. I know uh, you put a poll or two out on your Twitter this past weekend, and and we asked some questions on Instagram. We got some feedback on our email too. That's puntandpass at gmail dot com. But we're continuing to evolve. How'd you feel about this shorter episode? I liked it. I think it's great. I think. Um, We'll see what the fans like. It's all about you guys. So please get back to us on social media or email. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear. You know, whether it's more fan questions, whether it's more about certain topics, whatever it is, you know, we are going to continue to evolve and grow and get better and better. And at the end of the day, we're here to serve you guys. We wanted this to be the best possible podcast for everyone. So like Drew and I have been saying, send us the feedback. Let us know what you think. What can we improve on? What are we getting better at? And uh, let's continue having a fun season, man. Yeah, absolutely, dude. It's pretty crazy to think we're just halfway through and so much is going to change over these next seven to eight weeks. And uh, I think that the Punt and Pass podcast is just going to keep getting bigger and keep getting better. But that does not happen without all of our awesome listeners and the feedback that is so vital to the importance of this show. So, uh, Aaron, 
this was fun. I'll put this out tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, and we can rock and roll with some great feedback and get back with all of our listeners Thursday for a little week eight preview. Aaron, at Aaron Murray 11 I'm at Drew Butler13. You've been listening to at Punt and Pass, the Punt and Pass podcast. Talk to you all on Thursday. See you.